Right, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Matthew chapter 13 this morning. Go ahead and get into the Word and go before the Lord in prayer one last time. Oh, I can see a clock here. That's nice. It's always nice to know when I should stop. All right. So Matthew chapter 13, and then we'll go ahead and pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I, do just, I, I praise you for this morning that we have together, Lord, this opportunity to share with our brothers and sisters your word, to get into it, Lord, to study it, that we might receive from it all that you have for us in it. And I pray that your spirit would move in our midst and that it would, that it would minister to our hearts and meet us where we're at, each one of us different here today would hear from you personally and directly. And I praise you for it, Lord. I ask all this in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen? Amen. So I'd like to begin by saying what an honor it is to be back here again. I'm not often invited to speak twice in the same place. So it is, it is quite fun to be here again. And, you know, especially to... Uh, to, to be a part of what the Lord's doing here through Sam is scarcely say there's a man that I admire more in the ministry. He's got a heart that is burdened for your blessing and a, a man that, that distinctly and sincerely loves you. And, and, and I saw it so clearly in last Sunday's message. If you were here, you saw it too. You know, uh, it, it was just, it was laid out before you bare and exposed and, and it drove me consequently to return to my notebook and and scrap the sermon that I had spent weeks preparing uh, so that I might bring something else to you, something that was more appropriate for the atmosphere, what the Lord's doing here. And, and it's, it's this parable that's no doubt familiar to all of you there in Matthew chapter 13. Christ speaks concerning our hearts and the hearts of those that we minister. And you don't have to be a pastor to have a heart that breaks for this world, to have one that, that, that weeps for it and wants to reach out to it, that wants to see change in it, and, 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 and you're heavy with it. And, and, that's, and that's what we see here. And, 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 you know, and maybe some of you would say, it's, it's for my friends. It's for my family. You know, maybe you would say, it's, it's, it's for my enemy, uh, that person at work that gossips about me and, and, and still I read the words of Christ and I want to see them saved and I don't want to knock over my tea so I'll refrain from pounding my fist. And, and you know, and it's, it's, and maybe that's your heart today. Maybe it's for a coworker or a classmate, you know, whatever it might be. And you desire to see them know the Lord and walk with them how you wish that you can make the decision for them. It'd be so much easier if it worked that way. Burden for that person, even now thinking about that person, lost and wandering. And to you this morning, Christ is speaking, seeking to lift your heavy burdens that are upon your heart and impart his truth to you. He might redirect you, even as he redirects us daily in his word. And we'll pick it up there in verse 1 of chapter 13, in the parable of the sower. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake, and such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore and there he told them many things in parables saying a farmer went out to sow his seed and as he was scattering the seeds some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up and some fell on rocky places 
where it didn't have much soil and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up and the plants were scorched, uh, they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. And he who has an ear, let him hear. And we'll continue in the explanation of the parable in verse 18. If you want to skip over there with me. And listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. And this is the seed sown along the path. The one who receives the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. And when trouble or persecution come because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who receives the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who, who hears the word. But the worries of this life or the cares of this world, you might say, the deceitfulness of wealth chokes it out, makes it unfruitful. But the one who receives the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it, and produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what it was sown. Brothers and sisters, it wasn't long in the ministry before I came to the conclusion that I would not be a great success in it. And that's a great way to start any message. You already know you're in for disappointment. And there, was, there, there would always be those that I would share with, and they would walk away and return to their life of sin as if they hadn't heard uh, a word that I had said and a word that was shared. And it was a heartbreaking realization. And I thought that I was alone in it. I thought that I was, you know, the, the lone failure, the inadequate communicator. And, and one day I got an email, and it was for a meeting of ministers. It invited me to come out for this get-together. And so we all alike got together, preachers, one another, and we sat around in a circle, and there were coffee and donuts, and it was delightful. And I thought that it would be a meeting to discuss teaching techniques or uh, ministry opportunities in the community or something like that, but it wasn't. It was group therapy. It really was. And we all stood around, and I remember distinctly one just crying out and, and then saying, they're just not getting it. I just look at their lives, and they're not living it. You know, and, 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 you know, each one of them as confused and frazzled and disoriented and even depressed as, as I was in the ministry at that point. And, and one crawls out from the back of the room next to the coffee and assorted donuts. I preach and I preach and I preach and nothing, nothing, they don't, they, they, they just, just, just nothing. They don't care. No one cares. And they don't laugh at my jokes. And no one takes notes. And it's just like nobody cares. All, they, all they're thinking about is where they're going to go eat afterwards. And when I'm going to stop. And, you know, when I'll say something interesting or insightful or when I'll dance for them. I don't know what they want from me. It was a sad place to be. I must admit that I never went back. And I still get the emails every month. But I also have to admit that what they were saying was true. And it was my experience, too. And only a, only a few months ago, a man of advanced age approached me after a message and said to me, you failed. And I was completely caught off guard. And so I smiled and said, excuse me. I mean, a mature man, I must have misheard him. And, he, and so he repeated and he said, you failed. I wanted you to know that. And then he walked away. 
I think he was a deacon, you know. And I failed. I failed. And it was the sneaking suspicion of my heart that often wonders if anything that I've ever said has made an ounce of difference in anyone's life. And maybe it's the sneaking suspicion of your own heart and your own witness as you share with those around you, those close to you, those that you have a heart towards, those that you're constantly reaching out to. You wonder, as I've wondered, maybe if I were just different. Maybe if I was a better speaker like Sam. Maybe if I was more charismatic like Eric. You know, maybe if I was uh, older and more mature like uh, Pastor Chuck. You know, maybe it, there's, there's a magical sentence that I can say uh, that, that will break through to them, the right illustration or application that I can, you know, impart. And, and, and eventually I looked upon the ministry and had to say honestly and, and in humility that I was unable to correct a single man's life. And the nothing I can say or do could make the decision for them. And the conclusion almost drove me to prepare my letter of resignation in the ministry and never to open up my mouth again except to eat, which I do and enjoy doing and plan on continue doing. Um, and it was an exceedingly discouraging conclusion. But in a lot of ways, it was the right conclusion. And maybe you've reached a similar conclusion, as you said, as you say, uh, what do I do? What, what do I say? How do I say it? How do I get through to them, and you weep for them, and you worry about them, and your heart is right and righteous. And you, like Paul and Moses, would wish to be condemned for the ones that you love, that they might be saved. And, and, and you just don't know what to do, and God would say, you, you can't do it, as God would say to both those individuals. Listen, stop condemning yourself. You can't make the decision for them, it's only up to them. And each and every one of us is called to give our own account on that day. But listen, you do your part, and this is what he'd say to us today. Listen, you do your part. Listen, are you ready? Because this is your part. Listen, you do your part, and you reach out to them. You put the matter before them. You sow seeds upon them, the word of God, that right and righteous truth of God. But know that Christ has told you what you can expect as you do it. And this is what uh, the Lord would say to us today. And I believe that so many Christians would benefit from, from hearing the words of Christ this morning as he says, listen, many won't listen to you. It's a fact. They won't be changed because of you. Some will completely ignore you. And others will do exactly what you tell them not to do right after they ask you, what they should do. I mean, Sam talked about it last Sunday. It's all of our experience in Christianity. They come up to you and say, well, I'm at the end of my rope, I'm at the end of the line, and, and I need a word from you, I need help from you, and what should I do? And you take them before God, you put the matter before Him, and you pour out your heart to Him. You say, I love you, and I want what's best for you. And they would say, oh, thank you so much. And then they do exactly what they shouldn't have done. And guess what? 
And God says, I want you to know this, and I want you to share with them anyways. I want you to keep reaching out to them. I want you to keep loving them. And you do what I've called you to do when I said to you in, in Mark 16, 15, where he said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. You unburden yourself of the truth of God. You lay it upon them. You set the matter before them. Those that are close to you, those all around you, and when you do, you can expect, even as Jesus said here, to encounter four types of people. There's not a doubt in my mind that all four of these people are represented here uh, this morning. And Jesus says, when you scatter seed, it will fall upon, and if you are taking notes, these four parts. The hard soil is first. It'll fall upon the hard soil. Next, it'll fall upon the shallow soil. Jesus says, when you share the gospel, uh, you're going to be imparting it to third preoccupied people. And then fourth, prepared people. And we're going to begin by taking another look at the, the explanation of the illustration in verse 18 and 19. And you can read along with me here. It says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. And this is the seed along the path. And Jesus speaks first of the seed scattered upon the path, this hard place beaten down by people. It's hardened by the world. All they've had to endure in the world, the pounding of the world as it's passing over you. And these people are everywhere, and they're all around us. And no doubt you, you've met them, you've shared the Lord with them, and the, the words that, you, that you, you know, share with them, the seed that you scatter upon them, so to say, would remain only long enough for it to make absolutely no difference. It doesn't go into their heart. It's deflected from the surface of the heart. And I, and I fear that some who have been in the church for years would easily find themselves in this category. If you were to look at yourself honestly. You come every week... And you always have, and maybe you always will. But it's only your tradition, and it's no longer your conviction. And there's a distinct difference between the two. It's something that you just do. It's something that you've always done. It's something that you're used to doing. And for whatever reason, it's your own, and you know it. Maybe you don't know it. Maybe you're completely oblivious to it. But this would be the matter. It's the hard-hearted traditionalist. Convictions lost a long time ago, and as soon as you walk out those doors, the devil, in one form or another, flies by and picks up exactly what was imparted to you here, and, and, and it made no difference from being there, and, and you're off on your way, completely unchanged. And I wonder, uh, if we were to be honest with ourselves, how many would say, well, that's me right now. As soon as I leave this place, I forget all about everything that I've heard in this place. Never look upon the notes. I, I never meditate, meditate upon the words. It, it goes no deeper than my time spent here. And I see others affected all around me. And you sit in the service and, 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 and the, the worship is being led and people are raising their hands and then they're crying out to God. And then and, and you can just see that they just, they, they love God. And you wonder, why am I not affected like that? It's just, it's deflected off of me. And, 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 and it's so easy to end up in this place where you're just hard. 
and, and, and you've just been passed over and pounded upon by the world. You know enough to know that every Sunday uh, during a service, the Lord set a table before you in the sermons, which certainly he has, and others receive from it, eat upon the bounty of it. Each night in, in, in his word, the Lord's provided a table for you that you can go to and receive from and it's nothing to you. You get nothing from it. And these in this first category, Spurgeon would say, um, and I love Spurgeon. I named my dog after Spurgeon, so there's always got to be a Spurgeon quote. I'm sorry. And this is a long one, so all the better. They're delighted to come up with us to worship, but the tear never trickles down their cheek, and their soul never mounts up to heaven on wings of praise, nor do they truly join in confession of sins. They don't think of the wrath to come, nor of the future state of their souls. Their heart is as iron, and the minister might as well speak to a heap of stones as preach to them. What brings these senseless sinners here? And surely we're hopeful of, uh, more hopeful of converting lions and leopards than these untamed, insensible hearts. Do these people come to our assemblies because it's respectable to attend a place of worship? Or is it their coming that helps them uh, find comfort in their sins? Oh, my hearers, your case is one that might make angels weep. How sad to have the sun of the gospel shining upon your faces and yet have blind eyes that never see the light. Now, this is the hard soil. But I want to tell you while we're talking about the hard soil that no soil is so hard that it can't be broken by God. Now, Breaking is never a comfortable process, but often it's a necessary one. And for some of us that find ourselves here this morning, or for those that you're praying about, well, this might be the very thing that you bring uh, to, to the new church building tomorrow evening, to bring before the Lord, to, to spread it out and say, God, you see the hard soil of their hearts. You see how distant they are from you and how stubborn they are towards you. And I just pray, God, that you, you know, in, in, in your own way would break through what is seen by me to be completely unbreakable. And God will be faithful, but we turn our attention to the second citizen, uh, the one that is stony and shallow. And we'll read it in two parts, beginning in verse 5 and 6, where it says, Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. And now Jesus explains in verse 20 through 21, and he says, The one who receives the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. And when trouble or persecution come because of the word, he quickly falls away. And Jesus now speaks of the shallow man who's seemingly converted quickly to Christianity. They, they come in out of nowhere, and maybe you've seen this, and, and they have a whirlwind type of experience. And, and they come in, and they're converted, and, and they fall in love with Jesus, and they, they read their Bible all day, and they pray all night, and, and it's exciting to be around these people. And, and, and you would say, well, surely this is a new man. Surely, this is a new woman, born again by the Spirit of God. And I was a junior 
No, I was a sophomore and he was a junior. And we were saved around the same time and his name was Mike. But that was as far as the similarities went between me and this other man. Um, we couldn't have been more opposite in, in our Christianity and in our, evangel in our uh, evangelism methodology. I mean, we were just... He would stand up at Upland High School and preach in the open air. Um, right at the cafeteria, and some of you that have gone through Upland High School, you know that it has a winding line, so people are trapped there. He would stand up on the planter box, and he would preach to all these people trapped, waiting in line for their lunch. And it, it's not my way of doing things, and, and you know I would be more critical of the way that he did things, but a lot of people got saved, and it was really neat to see the way uh, Mike would share the Lord with these people, and and he was a crazy guy. I remember him standing up there and just, you know, you need Jesus and come to him and repent and give your lives over and all this. And, and people would step out of line and they would drop their burritos and they would, they would come to him and they'd be like, I need Jesus. I need to repent. And, and they'd lay it all out and, and, and he would lead them to Christ. And, and it was a revival all spreading throughout the school. And, and now summer had come and gone and I was a junior and now he is senior. And I bumped into him in September and I said, Mike, are you going to preach today? I was excited for a new season of sermons during lunch. And he said, no, and never again. And, and I said, why? What happened? And over the summer, he said that his, his mother had died uh, suddenly, unexpectedly. And that he couldn't believe in a God that would allow something like that to happen. And... And I tried uh, often talking to him to reach out to him, and he wouldn't allow it. And over that year, I watched him bounce around from one thing to the next. Um, it was various different phases that he went through. And he finally settled upon uh, dance clubs and drugs. And sad to say, for many, uh, Christianity is reduced to a stop a long, life's long journey. And it's not the destination. It's a momentary pause. And he left and wanted nothing more to do with it. And he abandoned it during the days of adversity. Some abandoned it during the days of, of apathy. And it's heartbreaking to see. Those of you that have friends or family that were once so... Uh, seemingly right on. They were so filled with zeal and love for the Lord, and it was beautiful in its simplicity. And now they're gone. And you wonder what happened to that and what happened to them and, and what could have possibly go wrong. And I thought that you were more than that, you'd say, and you were once so serious. And it seems like you don't even know them anymore. And they burnt out as quickly as they were brought up. And... Some are here today with merely a memory of their brush with real Christianity. And it's true in a lot of different ways. You know, you look back on this time and that time uh, was, was merely a fad where you were excited. It was a phase that you went through in your youth or whatever. The fruits faded and your affections elsewhere. Well, to you, the words of Hosea 14.4. They ring true and wonderful. 
The Lord said there just very clearly, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely. My anger has turned away from them. God doesn't want to punish you. He doesn't want to beat you down. He doesn't want to rub it in your face if that's you and that's what you've been through. If your heart has grown cold towards the Lord after a time where it burned brightly for the Lord. If you've withered in the sun of this world. He says, you know, just come to me and I'll take you in. I'll heal you of that. I'll love you in spite of everything that you've been through and I'll accept you. And all you need to do is turn to the Lord during this time and receive from him all that he desires to impart to you. But we continue in verse 22. From the hard-hearted to the shallow, finally to the preoccupied people. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who heard the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, choked it out and made it unfruitful. These are the preoccupied people. Far too busy for the Lord. Uh, I want you to notice something, that they are, in fact, good soil. And you know that they're good soil because there's something that's growing there. There is life there, so there's potential there. But it's, it's the wrong things that are occupying this soil. It's, it's, it's not the right stuff, the fruitful stuff, the beneficial stuff. It's just a lot of stuff. And, and that just needs to, you know, and consequently, you know, you could say that for these people, there's much activity, but there's little spirituality. You know, they're, they're ripe, they're ready, but they're already filled up to the brim with other stuff that's occupying the space. You know, and, and, and you know, I, whenever I read this, I, I think about my grandpa, you know, and, and there was a man who he passed away late into his, his 80s, and he was busy until the day he died. And I would, uh, I would often talk to him. I'd always share with them. And, and uh, he would say, you know what? My plan is they're on my deathbed, you know, and you know the rest of the story. That was his plan, you know. But I'll get right. I'll get it taken care of. Don't worry about me, you know. Don't bother with me. And all of his life, it was work. It was family. Uh, it was money, and it was charity. And, and, you know, none of those things are bad things. They really aren't. They're just, you know, too many things. And, and it's, it's good soil. It has potential, but it's just busy. It's occupied already. And, and he was never given the luxury, and he was taken suddenly, still caught in the thorns of this life. And I saw in him what I see in myself and what I see in so many to varying degrees um, that we become thoroughly and really unnecessarily distracted by the cares of this world. And we're choking on it. And, and I can't come to church. I got the kids. I got to go here. We got to go do that. It's a family thing. It's a friend thing. It's a work thing. I'm just busy with things. You know, it's a girl. It's a guy. I want to take a nap. And listen, I agree with you. All those things, all those things are necessary things. You know, and it's, it's like the, none of those are bad things. And maybe you'd say, and it's like, you know, the services start uh, Monday on Thursday. They start at 7 o'clock. And by 7 o'clock, I've had a long day. 
I've had work all day. I come home and then it's family. I, I got to be there for them. I got to, you know, take care of them. And then by seven, I'm tired. I barely got enough strength to, to flop down upon the couch and watch the TV. And then let me say to myself, as much as I say to you, that maybe we're finding our, our recreation, our relaxation, and our rejuvenation in the wrong things. And maybe it would do us a world of good uh, for an evening to shut out the world and to spend some time alone with the Lord. To, to let God just take a weed whacker to everything that's growing in the soil of our hearts that doesn't belong there. Let him cut it out. Let him pluck it up. Let him cast it aside that we might just be ripe and ready to receive from him and him alone. That, that you know, there would be nothing else there that's, that's distracting us, corrupting us, growing within us, all around us, surrounding us, and suffocating us, that it wouldn't just be activity in our lives but it would be authentic spirituality where you're walking with God and, and you're being led by God. You're in the word of God. And then nothing would be left but good soil, this fourth group, that we may grow his fruitful gospel and produce a fruit that lasts in our lives. And this is what we desire, isn't it? All of us? One of us? Maybe none of us. <laughs> Somebody say amen, please. Yeah, this is what we desire. It was, I was, it's, in my notes it says pause for amen. I'm kidding. I don't do that. I know preachers that do do that. I had a preacher friend that said, he, I saw in his notes it said raise hands. And I was like, are you, <laughs> are you serious? Are you serious? <laughs> um, it was Sam. I'm gonna, I'm just kidding. Uh, but... <laughs> But this is, <laughs> that was in his notes. So, uh, <laughs> but this is what we desire. This is, this is our, our heart's cry. This is, we want to be that good soil. And so Jeremiah is the word for us. Jeremiah 4.3. Oh, look it up. It's a precious verse. Jeremiah 4.3. You won't be able to leave from it. I'll only read you a few words from it. Where he says, break up the fallow ground. Of your hearts. Break it up. Left alone to itself, all ground is going to get hard. It's going to get trampled upon. It's untended. It's going to get full of weeds. It needs to be plowed over. It needs to be plucked up. It needs to be refreshed so that there can be life there. So that, 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 that it could be, things can grow there. So, you know, it, there could be rebirth there. Maybe it's, it's breaking up that's going to draw you to, to come to him this morning and say, I desire for my Christianity to affect me in this first category, maybe. You say, not to leave here and for that which was just, you know, sown upon me to be plucked up and off of me, to walk out of here exactly as I came in here. I don't want that anymore. I want to spend time in the word and be changed by the word and be touched by the Lord. That's what I want. And maybe in the second category, you'd say, I desire for it to be a little more than an emotional roller coaster. I'm, I'm tired of my Christianity to being dependent upon how I feel. It has to go beyond that. It has to be more than that. Your emotions are subject to change. That'll always change. But God doesn't. He has to be a constant 
You can say, I don't want it to be a stop along the journey. I want it to be uh, the, 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 the engine behind my journey. I want it to be all of my journey. I want him to take me on this journey. I, I, I want to go through my life walking with him daily. Not to pick him up and drop him off momentarily. I don't want that. And third, maybe it's just to say, I'm going to shut out the world. I'm going to turn off my phone and I'm going to get alone with you. And there's a million different things that are pressing on me. But only one thing's important. And it's Jesus. And I just want to be with Jesus. Just to spend my time with Jesus. And we can all find ourselves here somewhere. Have you seen yourself here? And so here's the point of it, right? If we can find ourselves here, then you can expect to find other people here. So when you reach out to them, and when you go to share with them, don't condemn yourselves when they don't make a decision, when they don't listen to you, when they reject you, as if it's your fault, as if a man of advanced age were staring at you personally and individually, looking deep into your soul and saying, you failed. Because you didn't. You didn't. You did exactly what you were called to do. You unburdened yourself of the truth of God, which is what we all ought to do. And so Galatians 6 is a word for us where it says, don't grow weary in doing good. Don't stop. Don't let discouragement seep in. Don't witness to those on the hard path that have been beaten down by the world and become so beaten down by that path that you're, that you're now just as hard as the one you're talking to. Uh, don't grow weary in doing good. To keep at it, keep scattering seed. Because growth is between the ground and God. Not you. It's the ground and God. And, and let us this morning take the ground and that being the heart of men before God, that God may prepare the ground for growth, that he may clear it up and break up the fallow ground of our own hearts and the hearts of those that we love and desire to see saved and changed. Will you pray with me? It's gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we take all this before you this morning and, and we, we, we set the matter before you knowing that it's it's not up to us to bring about a change in someone. It's up to us to be there for that person, to reach out to them, to scatter your truth upon them. Lord, as long as they're willing to receive it, and maybe even beyond. We pray, God, that you'd go before us, that you'd break up the fallow ground of our hearts, that you tend to it, you plow it. And the breaking is it's never a pleasant process. But Lord, it's for our benefit and blessing as we grow with you. I pray that we wouldn't leave here seeing others receive from you and not receiving ourselves. We wouldn't leave here as, as maybe we came in reflecting upon a time in the past where we walked with you and it was clear to us and now we've 
caught in tradition and we've lost the conviction, I pray that you would bring us back to a place where we're that good soil where we've been cleaned over by you, we've been tilled by you and we're prepared to receive from you and Lord that you do a work in our hearts this morning and we wouldn't soon forget that we would leave this place walking with you and so confident of that which we have with you. Oh and Lord falling in love with you once again as we see how faithful you are to restore unto us a right relationship with you. You're always waiting there to take us back. And so, Father, I praise you. And trust all this into your very capable hands. In Jesus' name, amen.